All right. Um, so we're going to start a new series today. Um, but before we jump into kind of the new series and ex explanation of what it is, I wanted to remind us of the last series we did, uh, which was on the three C's. And um, the three C's were, do you know what they were? It's the test. I want you guys to say it out loud in your groups. <laughs> okay. Hopefully you got it. Okay. It's contact, connect, convert. Um, and those three things are still relevant for us today, hopefully uh, from now uh, until forever. Uh, but especially until we launch, uh, we're trying to actively uh, engage in these things um, in the lives of the people around us. Um, and I want to specifically thank Mark uh, for preparing each week's practical application. And so can we give a virtual clap to Mark? Um, Mark's mission minute evolved and it upgraded to Mark's mission message. Um, but it was really awesome. Uh, very clear and prepared. Uh, so thank you, Mark, for doing all of that and preparing the hard work. Now we're starting a new series, as I said, and the series is on prayer. And I've just titled it Pray Then Like This. Um, and the reason why I wanted to do a series on prayer is, well, like number one, we can never pray enough. Um, but I wanted us to continue uh, persevering in this discipline of prayer. Uh, you might remember or not, but the first uh, ever sermon of this church plant way back in February was that we need to pray, right? It's the first thing that the disciples did uh, in the book of Acts when they gathered together. Before they did anything else, they prayed. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says that they devoted themselves to prayer, right? It's this thing that they said, well, this is what we're going to be about. We're going to devote ourselves to make sure that we pray. And for those of us who recognize that planting and growing a church is God's work, uh, we also understand then that the essential activity we must engage in is prayer, right? Because God's going to do the work of growth. So if we don't pray, uh, this church uh, should not succeed, right? That should be the outcome. And we should be surprised if the church succeeds, if we're not engaged in active prayer. And so uh, that's one reason why I wanted to do a series on prayer. But also when I think about the situation that we're in now, um, we're a lot busier. And so we're busier with life and work with family, but especially in the church plant, we're all engaged in ministries. And I don't know about you, but the busier I, I, I get, uh, I should be praying more because there's more things I have to pray about. Uh, but instead, the busier I get, the busier I get, I tend to neglect prayer, right? But we're busy, we're active in ministry, but we need to be playing, praying more. Um, and the second reason is I feel like we're, gonna, we're hitting the, I just called it the COVID blues, uh, but the adrenaline of COVID has worn off. And uh, not that it was ever exciting, but I guess, you know, that, oh, this is a new thing has worn off and all we're left with is, is the burden and the struggle and the, the distraction of being in COVID. And so I feel like, especially as the church plant launch is a question mark and we might push it back, uh, that it's really important, us, important for us to pray uh, so that in the presence of God, we can gain conviction, direction, hope, joy, confidence, and all that stuff. And so for the next around four, five, six weeks, uh, we're going to sit on the Lord's Prayer. And so that's why this series is titled Pray Then Like This, because this is what Jesus, um, the model of prayer that Jesus gave to us uh, was the Lord's Prayer. And um, as we go through this series, uh, the, the plan is to shorten the sermons a little bit. Um, that's what I tried to do in February. The sermons were quite short. Um, and then when we hit COVID, it, it got a bit longer. I read an article uh, this week actually saying um, that most churches did the opposite. When they went online, sermons went shorter. We did the opposite. I think sermons went longer. And so no promises, um, but that's what we're going to try to do. And so today we're going to look at uh, the Lord's Prayer, mainly uh, what's the purpose 
right? As we look at the Lord's Prayer as our model, uh, what's the purpose, right? What's the main thing, the, the driving force behind the Lord's Prayer? And therefore, what should be the purpose for our prayers and what's at the heart of our prayers, right? Is it for me? Is it for my gain? Or is it for God? And is it for His pleasure, pleasure etc.? So that's what we're going to look at today. And so I'm going to jump right into it uh, just to keep the sermon short. Number one, we're going to look at the structure. Uh, when we look at the structure of the Lord's Prayer, so we take a step back and look at it as a whole, um, and I'm just going to give you the answer. The, the outcome is that the Lord's Prayer is not about us. It's about God. And specifically, it is for the glory of God. Right? The Lord's Prayer, if you want to kind of sum it up into one main prayer, petition, it is hallowed be your name, right? That's the main driving force of the Lord's Prayer. And so if we're going to use the Lord's Prayer as a model for our prayer, <laughs> our prayer should really be about God, right? And for His glory. And so if you look at the Lord's Prayer, and I've got it here, Matthew 6, 9 to 13, uh, there are six main petitions, right? Six main things uh, that are prayed for. And you can split them in half. And the first three are about God, they're God-focused. And then the, the last three are man-focused, right? They're about us. And so you've got hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And those are all God. And then the latter three, our daily bread, forgive us of our sins and lead us not into to, to temptation. They're about us, right? And uh, when you look at this, right, what I'm going to say is that it is, again, it's ultimately for God, right? We're praying for His glory. Um, I'm just going to point out three things about the structure. And I want to first look at the balance uh, quickly. Uh, half of this prayer is about God. Uh, half of it, yes, is about us. And so we do uh, pray for ourselves, supplication. Um, but the first half is about God. And not only about God, but things that please God right, and that exalt Him. And I know that half-half doesn't sound great. Like It doesn't sound like 50% is about God is, is majority. Uh, but when you think about the way that you pray, or you know, when I think about the way I pray, um, do half of my words, uh, are they about God? Uh, is half of the time I pray uh, focused on me asking God to do things that please God? Um, you know, truth be told, not usually the case. Uh, we tend to populate our prayers with things that are entirely about ourselves. Or we come to God and we say, God, can you fix this? Can you change the circumstance? Um, can you change this person? Um, these, these things that are burdening me, you know, this is what I want. You know, a lot of times our prayers are filled with those kinds of things. And if you saw someone who pushed the balance to a point where their prayers were even 30%, 40% focused on God and the things that please God, uh, we'd probably think, oh, wow, that person is really God-focused. Right? Just because that's not the way we tend to balance. We tend to balance maybe 80% on ourselves and 20% on God. And so the fact that it's 50-50, to me, emphasizes that the Lord's Prayer is about God. Right? Even if you don't agree with me there, if we keep going, you'll see that it's true. Right? So even the order of the, the halves. God takes up half, but He doesn't take up the latter half of the Lord's Prayer. It's not mixed where it's like, we pray about God and then we pray about us and we pray about God, etc. Uh, but God takes up the first, second, and third petition, and we then take the fourth, fifth, and sixth. Right? God is in the first half. And in Jewish literature, they would place um, an importance on the order of things. And depending on the context, they would use the order to make a point. 
right? You put something first to say that this is the most important. You put something last to say this is the least important. And when you look at the Lord's Prayer, even though there is an equal divide of halves, uh, they're not of equal importance or of priority. Right? The fact that God is first is emphasizing the fact that God is not only first in our prayers, but that God should then also be first in our lives. Right? We, we pray this, uh, really. The Lord's Prayer is not just what we should pray, uh, but it's really who we should be. And the person who puts God first, when they come to prayer, would then also pray about God first. And so the fact that God is first is emphasizing that the Lord's Prayer is God-glorifying. And I want to say in another sermon that the fact that we, when we begin with God in our prayers, uh, by the time we even get to us, number four, number five, number six, uh, the things that you pray will change, right? Because you've started off with God, you've reorientated yourself uh, to God, and so He will change the prayers that you end up praying for yourself. Right? So the balance is kind of, I would say, even though it's 50-50 on God, the order is about God. And then if you look at the substance, uh, it emphasizes that the Lord's Prayer is about God's glory. And I'll talk about this more in my second and last point. But uh, again, even though it's 50-50, the substance of what is being prayed for, right? What's being prayed for when we talk about God and what's being prayed for when we talk about us uh, makes it really clear and obvious that the Lord's Prayer is really for God, right? It's about God. The God-focused prayers, the three God petitions are grand prayers, right? They're majestic. They're reverent. Uh, They're about God's name being hallowed, God's kingdom and God's will. But when you get to us, they're not grand. In reality, they're very humbling prayers. There's nothing about exalting our name, establishing our kingdom, asserting our will. It's about the basic necessities of bread, forgiveness of sins, protect me. They're not unimportant prayers, but they're not grand prayers. It's only when we're praying for God that we're really asking for great uh, majestic things to happen. And so when we look at the structure and we look at the six petitions, the balance, the order, and the substance makes clear that the Lord's prayer is a prayer that is utterly God-centered. It's God-focused. It's God-glorifying. Right? The Lord's prayer is about God. And so if we use the Lord's prayer as a model for our prayers, then the way that we pray should be to glorify God, right? It's, for the, it's focusing on and centered on Him. And so before I move on to the next point, uh, the question is then, do our prayers tend to reflect the prayer that Jesus modeled here for us, right? In terms of balance, right? When you think about, you know, how you pray, what you pray, uh, are your prayers kind of close to 50% being about yourself, 50% being about God or 40 or 30%? You know, are you praying, God, I want you to do things that please you, things that um, you know, make you happy, or is it things that make yourself happy? Right? That's just something for us to think about. But the Lord's Prayer is a great reminder that uh, not only our prayers, but then also our lives should be God-focused and Christ-centered. What about the order? Right? When you come to God in prayer, is the, it's the first thing that comes out of your mouth, like, God, this is what I want you to do for me. Right? So much so that maybe God doesn't even ever enter the prayer. Um, when we put God first, it's not only a symbolic reminder that God is um, first in our prayers, but God is also first in our lives. And then it will shape what we end up praying for 
for ourselves anyway at the end. And the third, substance, right? When you pray, is it God that you're trying to exalt, glorify, and lift up? Is it God that you're trying to please? Or is the substance of your prayer really about, you know, God helping me and making me exalted and making me pleased in this life? Right, that's the challenge, I guess, that we get from the first point. So let's focus a bit more now on substance. And when you look at the substance, it's really, again, like I've been saying, it's about one name. Right? It's the name of the Father. It's the name of our God. It's about glorifying Him. Right? So the three petitions from the first half is God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. And I've said before that these are all grand prayers. Right? They're seeking uh, tremendous and significant things for our Lord. And so let me just spend a little bit of time on each of these. And uh, let's talk first about hallowed be your name. Uh, hallowed be your name, I said again, this is like the, the primary request. This is the, I don't know if this makes sense, a banner re request. That's just what came to mind. All the other five petitions fall under hallowed be your name. And they are means by which that prayer, hallowed be your name, might be accomplished. Right? Everything else is kind of driving that. Right? God, we want your name to be hallowed. And so what does that mean, hallowed be your name? Because we don't tend to use that word. Hallowed means make holy or consider as holy. And holy means kind of set apart or distinct. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're saying, God, make your name be considered as holy or majestic, famous, glorious. Right, God, whatever you're doing, make it so that your name is recognized as you know, a distinct, separate, uh, special name. And name then is shorthand for God himself or his reputation. Right, so we use the phrase like, um, I've got a good name or something like that. It kind of means I've got a good reputation. And in the same way, when we're saying, God, um, you know, make your name ho holy or hallowed, uh, we're saying, let it be recognized that you as God, when people think about you or hear your name, that they will recognize that you are you know, God, that you are majestic, exalted, powerful, etc. And what we need to uh, kind of point out is that uh, this, this hallowed be your name uh, is a petition. It's not praise. Right? When I say that, I mean, it's not praise as in God, you are holy, but it's a petition, God would you act to make your name holy, right? So that people would recognize, right? Your name is already holy, but they would recognize that it is, right? So when we praise, we just did it. We, we sang and we sing about how God is holy. He is great. He is gracious. A lot of times when we pray, like in the Acts, the A adoration, we pray, God, you are this and that. That's praise. Right? And that's a good thing. But petition is slightly different in that we're asking for God to act, do something. We're saying, God, in all the things that you're doing, in all the things that I want you to hear my prayer and respond about, it's, it's not about you know, me and my life and my job and my family, even though I will pray about these things. But number one priority is, God, I want you to work in this world and work in my life in such a way that you would be made glorious, made hallowed, made holy. Right? That at the end of everything, that people would look to you and say that you are a holy God. Right, that's what we're asking in this prayer. Uh, uh, Pastor John Piper, uh, you need a quote from him, right? Uh, he says that this prayer, uh, he says the most important prayer is the most important person in the universe doing the most important act in the universe. 
But the most important prayer is that the most important person in the universe, that's God, do the most important act in the universe, which is hallowing his name. Right? So God, most important person, do the most important thing, make yourself glorious. That is the most important prayer. Right? So this prayer, hallowed be your name, is the one prayer we, we should be praying. Right? We have to be praying, God, exalt yourself as you act and as you work in this world. Right? God's kingdom and God's will then are means by which God's name will be hallowed. Right? And so as we pray your kingdom come, as we pray your will be done, these two things are going to glorify God. And so we'll briefly look at these as well. What does it mean for your kingdom to come? Um, this is a little complicated. I cut out like 70% of what I had to make the sermon short. But um, when we talk about God's kingdom, we say that it's both now and not yet. Right? And so when Jesus came, he ushered in the kingdom, um, but uh, it's, it's here now, but at the same time, it's not here fully, not fully realized. When Jesus returns, uh, the kingdom of God will come and then it will be, I guess, uh, we, we, we say it will be consummated. It will be fully realized on earth. Um, but when we look at earth now, we live in the midst of sin and at the same time, uh, we, we live under the rule of God and all of these things are intention, right? They're both happening at the same time. And so God's kingdom is here now, yes, but also it's not yet fully realized. And when you think about it, uh, we live in that tension as, as God's people. Uh, we have a king, but he's not an earthly king. He's a heavenly one. And Jesus is ultimately our Lord and king, but then we also have prime ministers, presidents, etc. right? So we're living in that place. Uh, Jesus is with us here now. Um, he's living in me, but also not materially with me. Uh, Jesus rules over me, uh, but at the same time, he doesn't rule in the way he will in the future, right? And so we're living in this tension of the kingdom. When you think about God's people, it's, we're living in that tension as well. God's people are uh, not earthly, but we're spiritual people, right? We are now included in the kingdom, not by birth, but by rebirth. Our place in the kingdom is defined not by locality, but loyalty, and so we are people of God in the kingdom, but also we're Australian and we're kind of living in that weird place, right? So we have a passport that says we're citizens of Australia, but also, I guess, in our hearts, we're citizens of heaven, etc. Right? So we're living in that place. And so when we say your kingdom come, we're asking for those heavenly spiritual realities to pervade this earthly world we live in more and more. Right? Augustine used the words, the city of God and the city of man. And he said the city of man is here now, but it's going to perish one day. But the city of God will endure for all eternity. And so we're asking for that city of God to become real in our everyday. And so what that means practically is, you know, we're asking for people to be saved, for the nations to come to Jesus, because when they do, they will join the kingdom of God. Right, the non-believers re believe, repent, and join the citizenship that we share. That God would rule and reign over his people because though we have prime ministers and presidents, God is our ultimate king. Uh, we're praying that Satan's plans will be thwarted and destroyed. We're asking that um, God would bring in a time where death and pain are no more because that's what the new kingdom will be like. We're asking that Jesus would return. Right? When we say your kingdom come, we're saying Jesus return so that the not yet that we're waiting for will become a now, right? will become a now reality. 
We're praying that God's perfect wrath and mercy will be poured out on the world one final time in the final judgment. Uh, we're praying for the heavens to come to earth. So we, as God's people, will live in the new heavens and new earth for all eternity. Right? All of these things are encapsulated as we pray, your kingdom come. Ultimately, when you think about it, it's just asking God, right, would you bring in your, your final plan for the world? Right, as you had imagined it, the restoration of Eden right to earth. And all of this hallows God's name because when people are saved, as the kingdom grows, uh, even when God comes in final judgment, all of these things right, glorify him. Right, so we're saying, God, we want your name to be hallowed. And so bring your kingdom onto earth. A big part of the way the kingdom um, is, is made evident on earth is the next prayer, your will be done. Right? And so we're asking God, hallow your name. And how is that done? God's kingdom comes on earth. And how, how is that done? Your will be done. Uh, specifically through God's kingdom people, that's the church, as we live out our purposes in obedience. Right? As we do God's will, as we live out God's, we call this the will of desire, as we live out God's will, then right, he will be glorified as well. You know, when you think about it, it's when God's people live God's way. And we speak God's truth, uh, that God is made known to those who don't know him, uh, that they might then turn and believe and exalt and worship him. Right? God's ordained way of making himself known and then hallowed is through you and is through me. Right? So when we go out and we proclaim the gospel, uh, people <clears throat> bend their knee in submission to God and they worship him. They hallow his name. Right? That's us doing the will of God. Uh, by the way, I live my life that I wouldn't bring disrepute to his name, that I wouldn't push people away, but that people would see my life and be attracted to God because we are, 2 Corinthians 2, the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. That people would kind of, I guess, smell Jesus and by the way we live and that they will be attracted to him. By the way, this church family serves and loves one another. We display our love in a tangible way. People would then you know, turn and they would see God and glorify him. By the way, we choose our church name right? at the end. It's not, it's not about our, our church name and making our name known. It's about making God's name known. And right? so even like small things like this, everything that we're doing, uh, if we submit ourselves to the will of God, it will in the end glorify him. The way that people are working on the mission field, things that are going around, on around in the world, uh, we're seeking that God's will will be done because when it is, right, his name will be hallowed. If you think about it on the flip side, it's when uh, God's will isn't done. Uh, when people don't live God's way, when people don't speak God's truth, that shame is brought to God's name. Right? And so when we disobey God, people look at Christians and say, you're a hypocrite. Um, you don't live the life that you say, you tell me to live, etc." And then God's name is, um, I don't know, unhallowed, right? It's dehallowed, whatever the word is. It's, you know, it's, it's degraded. Um, but the flip side is true. When we do God's will, his name will then be hallowed. And when you think about um, all of these prayers, but especially the last one, um, what we find is that prayer, again, is really about God. And so my life is then being brought under submission to God um, so that God will be glorified. Now, I don't know if you know J.I. Packer. He's a giant of faith. He actually he passed away a few weeks ago. Uh, to be with the Lord. Um, and he said this about the Lord's Prayer. 
He said, here, more clearly than anywhere, the purpose of prayer, I think I've got a quote here. Okay, here more clearly than anywhere, the purpose of prayer becomes plain, not to make God do my will, but to bring my will into line with his. Right? It's, it's God, your will be done. Right? It's not my will be done. And so as we align our will to his, uh, his kingdom will come and that his name will be hallowed at the end of it all. So often we think prayer is about making God do what I want. And Packer says that's practicing magic. You know, it's like a genie. It's like, um, I don't know, you're trying to like do something to make some being, you know, fulfill your wishes. Uh, but prayer ultimately isn't for our glory. Um, at the end of the day, it's not for our pleasure, even though we do ask for things and God will, will act. Um, but the final, I guess, desire of the Christian as they pray is for God, right? It's for his glory. And so when I bring it back to us and I challenge us uh, for application, it's um, to pray this prayer. To pray prayers that put God first. Uh, when you think about the way your prayers are balanced, when you think about the way your prayers are ordered, think about the substance of your prayers, uh, make your prayers about God. Right? Model your prayers of the Lord's Prayer. And maybe a specific challenge to each of you will be to add two 15-minute blocks of prayer in this coming week. Right? That, that's where we start. If, if you're not praying, I want you to, whenever you schedule your week, uh, block out two 15-minute blocks whenever you have time. And if you're, you're married, you're a parent, it's probably harder, but you, know, you just need to kind of be a bit more flexible and creative. Uh, 15 minutes isn't that long, uh, but if you haven't been praying, uh, it might feel long. And so what's helpful is just set up a timer um, and just pray until your timer goes off. Um, I find that maybe the easiest way, or else you're going to kind of keep checking your phone. Is it, is it 15 minutes? Is it 15 minutes? It's like 30 seconds has passed. Is it 15 minutes? Um, so put up a timer, two 15-minute blocks. If you're already praying, uh, 15 minutes or so, maybe push it and make it 30 minutes. Um, but just, just encouraging you to take a step further in that. And then follow the Lord's Prayer as a model. Um, I don't know if it was clear, um, but just you, you probably know the Lord's Prayer. Just close your eyes. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And you just stop there and just kind of talk about that and ask God to work in ways that will hallow his name. And then when you're done, your kingdom come. And then just pause there, etc. You know, when you think about it, these are the prayers we must be praying as a church plant. Um, you and I, as a part of the launch team, we need to be praying this as we plant the church. And, and if we haven't, um, and, and there's a good chance we haven't, uh, then we better pray, start praying these prayers. Um, above everything else that we do, right, we need to pray. When you think about why we're planting the church, number one is for God's name. It's not for my name. It's not for your name. It's not for the church's name. Right? Whatever we're doing, it is for God's name, that people would recognize that God is God. And when they hear the name of Jesus, they would not hear a swear word or whatever, but they would recognize the Lord, the King. And they would bend their knee and submit themselves and worship Him. Right? That's why we're planting a church. It's for the hallowing of God's name. Right? Why else would you be here? Right? You are sacrificing so much, right? So many of you, right, it is for the exaltation of his name. And so we're praying, yes, Lord, hallow your name through this church. 
And we're picking a, a church name, by the way, today. It, it, and again, it, it doesn't matter too much what it is. It will be okay, uh, no matter what the name is, even if you don't like it. Right? You're going to get used to the name. And we don't want people to get too excited about our name anyway. Right? It's not our name. It's his name. Right? There's only one name, right? Acts 4.12. There's only no other name under heaven given among men by which we'll be saved. Right? It's the name of Christ. And so maybe it's good that we have a forgettable name. No, not really, right? but when you want one name to be remembered, to be left on their hearts, it's the name of Christ. Right? That's the name that matters. And as long as we preach it, as long as we sing it, and as long as we're praying for that name to be hallowed, right, then we'll be good. We think about why we're planning a church is for God's kingdom. Right? You're sacrificing time, sweat, and tears away from building your own kingdom in order to build his. And so we're praying, God, let your kingdom come through the work of this church. Save souls. Grow this church. Help us to contact, connect, convert. Bring in lots and lots of people. It's not about my comfort. It's about your kingdom. And number three, we're praying for God's will in this church plant so that we might do what God wants in our lives. God, I want your will to be done through me for the church plant, for your glory. And so help me, God, right, to do what pleases you. Help the rest of this faith family to do your will so that in our family life, our work life, our decision-making, our stewardship of finances, the way we choose the name, that it wouldn't be about us. It wouldn't be about my pleasure. It wouldn't be about my joy. That it will be ultimately about what pleases you and what honors you. Right? We should be praying these kinds of things. And this is what we should pray uh, because this is who we should be. Uh, when you think about the Lord's Prayer, uh, the most challenging thing is not that we should pray this but it's that we should be this. Because when you think about prayer, prayer is like a sneak peek behind the curtain to see into someone's heart, right? to see into what's really going on. Right? What's going on in here kind of comes out in your prayer, whether that's theology, whether that's your relationship with God, uh, all of these things show up in prayer. And so when you pray, how much you pray, do you pray? Right? All of these things show things about the person. And so if you find a person who doesn't pray and all they do is pray for themselves, um, then it tells you about their theology and about their relationship with God. Right? But when a person prays a lot and they're praying about God's glory and about his name, well, that tells you about their theology and about their relationship with God. So when you look at the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is saying, this is what you should pray. And therefore, what he's saying is this is who you should be. Right? You should be a person that is God-focused, Christ-centered, right? Putting God as priority in your life, right? not just in your prayers, but in the way that you think, in the way that you live. That's the most challenging thing of the Lord's Prayer. The person who prays these prayers is a person who inside themselves has been radically transformed to no longer live for themselves, but to live for God, right? And so as we pray the Lord's Prayer, you know, I think as we pray the Lord's Prayer, God will work in your heart by the Spirit, right? He will change you and make these things important to you. Um, but also, it will be helpful, I think, as we pray these prayers to ask, God, make me a person who wants to pray these prayers. Make me a person who puts your kingdom, your name, and your will right first in my life. Um, that is the, the greatest challenge, I think, of the Lord's Prayer. You know, when I confess, you know, praying these kinds of prayers isn't most natural for me. 
well, it's not my default when I come to God in prayer. And that says, I think a lot about me. And maybe if it's the same for you, uh, maybe it says things about you and areas uh, where you can grow. Um, Lord's Prayer, I think, is, is radical because really it's a call to be like Christ. You know, this is the Lord's Prayer in the sense that uh, not because Jesus prayed this prayer, he doesn't, especially the latter half about forgiveness of sins. Um, it's not the prayer he prayed, it's the prayer he tells us to pray. Uh, but at least the first half is what Jesus prayed. Uh, when you look at the Garden of Gethsemane, um, it's the perfect picture of Jesus submitting his will to the Father. Not my will, but yours be done, right? He's praying this, this first half of the prayer. He's, he's praying that at the end of the day, it's not what he wants, it's what God wants. And by the process of that, God was glorified. And so as we pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, it's changing the way we pray. It's changing us, but it's changing us to then be like Christ because he was the kind of person who prayed at least the first half of this prayer. And so as we go out into our breakout rooms, I've got two questions for you. Um, and ooh, I don't think I was that short, actually, but, you know, <laughs> I'll try harder next week. Um, we'll go until maybe 10.50. And so about 20 minutes, but the first question is, in what ways can you align your prayer structure to the one modeled in the Lord's Prayer by Jesus? And you think about the way you balance, think about the order, think about the substance. We just have a chat about it. And I don't want any of us to feel guilty. This is just an exercise for us to reflect and then to model our prayers um, to the Lord's Prayer. And the second, do your prayers tend to include things about God's name, God's kingdom, or God's will? You know, those kinds of stuff. And if so, why? Why do you think you do? And if not, why do you think it doesn't involve those things? And so uh, we're going to split up and then we'll chat about these things.